Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Unlike many NFL players, they're going down with injury. Harley and myself are here, full force, not on the PUP, not on any threat of IR. We're ready to go. Right, Harley? Does a mosquito bite count as an injury? Well, I guess it depends on if you got it while you're in Africa. Well, you know what? I missed the rains down in Africa, but I've never been, so I can't really say that... uh, this bug bites from Africa. It is from Minnesota, and the mosquitoes are always quite frequent and often here. So, uh, getting a mosquito bite here in Minnesota, although it itches a lot and you can scratch it and you'll spread, it, it's never going to be quite as deadly or infective as anything you might catch if you were on uh, African safari. Actually, you know, it's, it is funny. We didn't plan this with no idea that you were going to say something about mosquito bites and blah, blah, blah. Last week, or this past week, I should say, I was actually talking to a lady that was in Africa starting up a school for about a year and a half. She's been back to the States for about three to four months, and I told her how I want to someday go on an African safari. And the first thing she said was, make sure you get your malaria medicine and you take it all the time. (laughs) So funny how things like that work out. But you know what else is going to be funnier? What's that? Me throwing it over to you for this week's BPN News. Thank you, Steve. Certainly a lightning rod for chicanery and shady practices, the New England Patriots managed to do the absolutely unthinkable this offseason and trade for a number one wide receiver a full five months before losing 2016 number one wide receiver Julian Edelman to a season-ending injury. Our BPN News correspondents went undercover at the Patriots' facilities in an attempt to find Bill Belichick's magic crystal ball which helped him predict this injury. Unfortunately, the only thing he was able to recover was the jacket to some magazine called Gray's Sports Almanac. (laughs) In other injury news, the Kansas City Chiefs lost their starting running back Spencer Ware to a leg injury. Fortunately for my KC brethren, they certainly have experience dealing with running back injuries. Rookie Kareem Hunt will be given the first opportunity to step into Ware's shoes. When Hunt found out he was named the starter, he immediately signed up for Aflac and purchased a 100-foot roll of bubble wrap from Home Depot. (laughs) There was a third major offensive injury this weekend as the Chicago Bears lost wide receiver Cameron Meredith to a knee injury. Meredith's injury was so graphic that the television crew refused to show replays of it during the broadcast. Windy City Faithful shrugged off the graphic nature of this injury since most of their team's performances are so graphically frightening that their local television stations refuse to show them anyways. (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott prepares to face the NFL's appeals board this Tuesday to determine the fate of his six-game suspension. The NFL Players Association asked that an independent arbitrator be assigned to the appeal, but Roger Goodell denied this request. Goodell even went so far as to assign his own three-person appellate team to the case. 
After further prodding, a spokesman for Goodell's office released the names of this team. Cruella DeVille, Snidely Whiplash, and Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> and finally, the Cleveland Browns have named Deshaun Kaiser their starting quarterback for 2017. Head coach Hugh Jackson gave him the vote of confidence by saying that Kaiser will be given a long leash. That's mildly ironic because most quarterbacks, after playing for the Browns, would rather be given a noose than a leash. Bada this boom. has been your BPN News Update. Bada boom, that was bad. My wife's not going to like you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good one. Good job. Um, yeah, a lot of injuries. And I have a feeling that they're going to play into our top tens, which we said we were going to give people this week. Um, in case you didn't tune in last week and you're just tuning in now, we said we were going to go over our top tens at quarterback, tight end, and running back. And we're going to start with the running back position. And like last week, we did not discuss who we have where. Nothing whatsoever. Well, uh, much like wide receiver, I think that the consensus top 10, top 12 running back range is going to be fairly similar between the two of us. Uh, so why don't I go ahead and give you some of my names and uh, you tell me what you think. Okay, well, hold on. Did I say top 10? Are we doing 10 or 12? I wrote 12. Well, I've got 12, so okay. let's go 12. Top 12, that's what we meant. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Okay, well, uh, on the top two spots, I think we both have the same two names. It just depends on your order. I've got David Johnson of Arizona listed number one and Le'Veon Bell listed number two. I'm guessing you probably have the same. I do. It kind of feels like the whole Priest Holmes, LaDainian Tomlinson season from years ago. Yeah, so there's really not a lot of talk there. They're both premier players. If you've got one of the first two picks in your draft and it's not a purely PPR format, there's no excuse not to take them. Even in a PPR format, you can make a strong argument for both of them. Yep, absolutely. Now here's where it gets a little bit more interesting. Uh, at number three for me, I've got LaShawn McCoy. Now, certainly he has some question marks. I know there's talk around Buffalo that they might trade him, and who knows what might affect that might have on the things. Plus, there's a lot of questions about the quarterback situation there right now where every single quarterback except for except for very, very short rookie Nathan Peterman is currently uh, dealing with some sort of concussion or injury. Yeah, I actually had Gurley, not Gurley, McCoy higher up until the trade, honestly. Um, he is aging. I do like him. I've got him at six. Um, I just, look, the Zeke thing pushed Zeke down. That pushed McCoy up at first for me. But I just, I looked at a couple of players, and I just think they're a little bit safer at that three and four spot. At three, I'm going to let you go a little more, though, because I've got a guy that definitely probably may not be in your top five at my number three spot. So, well, I was going to say, I, I think three through six are probably going to be very similar between the two of us. Uh, at four and five, I've got these two guys pretty much interchangeable, and that's Melvin Gordon and Devontae Freeman. Um, I'm a little concerned about Freeman having a new or, uh, offensive coordinator there. Uh, I'm also a little concerned about their offensive line, which has uh, never quite been that great. Uh, he's always done good despite that. Uh, with Gordon, they've also got offensive line questions, and, and their schedule is particularly tough. So those two guys I feel are four and five, uh, and I think you could pretty much rotate the two of them depending on personal preference. Well, I do have two guys that I think you can rotate at three and four, honestly, um, and I have back and forth. Um, number three, you haven't even come close to mentioning yet. I have Jay Ajayi at number three. Um, I just I think that they're going to run the ball a lot still with that offense. I think they'll open it up a little bit more with Cutler, but 
Ajay, it's it's his touch. Nobody else is there to take touches away from him. He runs hard. I've got Gordon at four, so we are the same on that. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I have Freeman a little bit lower than most people. And that's probably because of my love with for Tevin Coleman, honestly. I, I just I know Freeman is one hell of a talent. I just think that there's too much of a risk of him having to share enough. I've got him down at nine. Not like that's some sin of any kind. I think you also have to wonder if uh, he might be running with a fat uh, pocketbook, this uh, fat posterior this week, uh, this season too, because of the getting paid off. But uh, you know what? Uh, it's a good offense. They play indoors, uh, high octane offense. Tevin Coleman definitely gets his. Uh, I like Jay actually. I, I have him all the way up at seven. I could certainly see an argument for him at six or five. I'm just concerned a little bit about inconsistency and gameplay yeah. there. And I can see that, so I know it's a risk at three. But once you lose Zeke and it just and then you do that trade in, in Buffalo with, you know, Sammy, I just think that it kind of throws it all a little bit out of whack. And like I said, I wouldn't fault anybody for having somebody above Ajayi. I know I'm a little more bullish on him than most. And last year I was not on the Ajayi train whatsoever. I really wasn't. Well, who, who do you have at seven? That's that's where I've got Ajayi. Ajayi, sorry. I have Murray at seven. I, I have Murray at six, so we're both very close on that. Uh, again, you've got the same situation there you have with Freeman. Yep. You, you're going to lose some touches to Derrick Henry, probably more so than this than last year even, as Henry's more comfortable in the system. But again, that team, uh, it's, it's smash mouth. They, they play through their running backs. Uh, they obviously have a quarterback that can open up the game now, and uh, his legs are certainly in play as well, particularly at the goal line or within the five-yard line area. But uh, I do like Murray a lot, and I think – if you miss out on one of those top four or five guys, I have no problem taking him as the sixth running back or seventh running back off the board. Okay. I'm not going to give my fifth running back yet. I'm going to leave my fifth open. How's that? Sounds good. Uh, well, I guess on my list, I'm down to number eight right now, and that is uh, Chicago Bears' Jordan Howard. Okay. Eight is not Howard for me. Howard, actually, I have towards the end of my rankings. I have him either at 12, 13, or 14. I've got three guys. Okay. I've got three guys in the mix for twelve. I ha- I've had Howard as high as nine. I just there's something about the game script in Chicago. I worry about you hit on it during the during the news. I just worry about how much he's going to be able to carry the ball with that offense. So, what do they have at receiver at this point? Kevin White's got to show something, right? They lost Cam Meredith. Uh, Kevin White, I think they have Victor Cruz in camp right now. They lost Cameron Meredith. Uh, I think that Tarek Cohen, the rookie, is probably going to take on a kind of a Darren Sproles-like pass-catching back role out of the backfield, but he doesn't have the size to be a regular carrier. So if something happens to Howard, uh, I think you're probably looking at Jeremy Langford being the primary backup to him. Uh, Going further down my list at number nine, I've got Todd Gurley, who you might have higher. I'm not sure. Well, you touched on Gurley at nine. I'll be honest with you. Yes, I have Gurley at five. I, I have no problem with that. Uh, again, Jared Goff uh, is still going to be the biggest question mark surrounding Todd Gurley. But uh, if Goff can show any improvement at all, that will only mean an improvement for Gurley. And, and Gurley still finished uh, – with reasonable numbers, albeit his yards per carry were actually worst in the league among any running back with X number of carries. Uh, so he's he's got nowhere to go but up compared yeah. to what happened to him last year. And here, here's the thing. I, I, sh- I do this when I draft, not necessarily do it in rankings, but here's why I love him at five. He doesn't cost you five value. You're yeah. getting him late second. At worst, I've seen him early second early to mid-second. Usually you're getting him mid to late second, early third round in a lot of drafts. 
At that yeah, if you're lucky enough to have the first two, one of the first two picks, and you get uh, David Johnson or Bell, and you can get him maybe at pick three one or three two, that's that's a gorgeous thing. It is, and, and that happened to me. And I, I liked it then. And the more that the season, the preseason has gone on, the more I actually warmed up to it because does he have a threat for carries? No. Can they be any worse than they were last year? No. No. So, is is McVeigh a big step up over Jeff Fisher? Yes. It has to be. Jeff was just Jeff has been mailing it in for some reason. So I just think that Gurley's being severely underrated. How often do we see people draft based off of last year, what they saw? You know what I mean? We talk a lot about uh, currency bias and whatnot, and I, I think that that's certainly a good play with him. That think that maybe he I mean, he's due for a comeback this year. Yeah. So I, I don't. That's why I have him at five. I know it's a little bit bullish compared to most, but that's why I have him at five above guys like McCoy and Murray and Freeman because I think he has either less question marks and or less you know threat for losing any kind of volume. So I think you mentioned you had Freeman at nine, correct? I did yes. Okay, and then uh, going into the uh, the ten, eleven, twelve range for me, uh, I, I have to put Ezekiel Elliott at this point. Uh, I've actually made a a living in, in snake style drafts of getting a late pick in the draft, taking a legitimate running back like a, an Ajayi or a Freeman or a Gordon, and then coming back around in round two and taking Ezekiel Elliott, knowing that I'm going to have to waste a fifth or sixth round pick on a, another running back to cover those first six weeks. But uh, it, it, you're, you're seeing yourself up for the playoffs when you're going to have Gordon or Freeman along with Elliott, and your team's going to be unstoppable. Uh, alongside Elliott, I, I'm going with a couple of rookies at the 11 and 12 slots, and that's a uh, Delvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings and Leonard Fournette, who uh, I'll be the uh, misgivings of him not being a pass catching back and having problems with pass protection and, and being on a downright rotten team. Uh, they're going to get the ball close to the end zone a lot. Ellen Robinson has a habit of getting tackled at the one and two yard lines, and those one two yard plunges are all going to go to Fournette. Yeah. Okay. So to recap, go ahead and give your top 12 again. Uh, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, Melvin Gordon, Devonta Freeman, DeMarco Murray, Jay Ajayi, Jordan Howard, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, and Delvin Cook. Okay. So for me, I'll finish out mine, but I'll, I'll give the rundown real quick. I'm at, one is DJ, Le'Veon Bell two, Ajayi three. And Gordon four. We agree on three of those top four picks. Then I have Gurley, McCoy, Murray. At eight, I have Zeke. And I look at it this way. One, he's not going to cost you a first-round pick in leagues now. Two, with what you get, as you said, to set yourself up for the playoffs, first of all, you shouldn't expect a full 16-game slate from any running back that you draft. You have to expect that you're going to miss one or two games even at best with some of these guys. So... Whether he gets his suspension shortened to four games or not, it doesn't matter. Get through those first six weeks. If you can go three and three and make the the goal in fantasy football is making the playoffs, and you get to the playoffs, I think it's easy to fill in for Zeke that first six weeks with a couple of guys that you cobble together, put those scores with Zeke, and you still got a, a guy that's going to give you top five numbers. So that's why I like him. Um, maybe I'm saying that because I drafted him at four right before the suspension. I don't know. Um, but I do. I think that. And my favorite target to handcuff Zeke to is Jacquez Rogers. Well, I think we might talk about Jacquez Rogers in the sleeper section coming up here in a second. So, so and then that's fine. I'll stop right there. And then at nine, I've got Freeman. 
at 10, I have a guy we didn't talk about yet. At 11, I have Fournette. And then I, I really had a hard time at 12 because I think last year in one of our last episodes, we gave our top 12 or top 10 at the positions for going into this year. And I'm pretty sure I had Amir Abdullah in my top list from last year. And I still like him a lot. But I'm between Abdullah, I'm between Howard, and I'm between Joe Mixon. They're the three that I've, I can't come up with who I want at 12, quite honestly. So if that sounds like a cop-out, tough. Deal with it. At 10, I've got Kareem Hunt. Uh, he definitely deserves that sort of high ranking. I, I, Kansas City loves to use their running backs. They use their running backs both in the running and passing game. I'm a little concerned about uh, Cherkandrick West cutting into some of those pass catches. But even if he's just the goal line back, Kareem Hunt's going to have a huge season. Yeah, and I know he's running up the rankings and everything like that. But go back and look at Andy Reid running backs. He doesn't split time. He likes to give the majority of his, of his touches to one running back. So everybody was already thinking that he was going to eat into Spencer Ware's production. And you know where Spencer Ware was being drafted. Now there's no one to worry about doing that with. So am I being aggressive with him at 10? Yeah, I think so. Am I doing it because it's you know the hot thing or the hot take right now? No. Um, there's enough warts on anybody outside of that top seven, honestly, um, to be able to say, I want to put this guy here and that guy there, and it would sound legit. It wouldn't be a problem. So let's go, let's go talk about Mr. Quiz and or sleepers that you have. Well, okay, the uh, first name on my list, the guy who's continually undervalued is C.J. Anderson. He's fully healthy this year. Uh, the Denver running schedule uh, again, uh, schedule against for defenses against running backs is really, really weak. So he's going to look like a good player. You can get him in round five or six. Uh, Danny Woodhead. Uh, people may not be aware that he's now in Baltimore. Baltimore lost their uh, supposed uh, split-time pass-catching running back, uh, Kenneth Dixon, for the season. Uh, that leaves... Uh, Woodhead to basically be the pass-catching back. Last year, Kyle Jusick as the fullback there caught a lot of passes in that offense. Jusick is now in San Francisco. All of those pass-catching options for Baltimore are going to go to Woodhead. Plus, Woodhead's probably going to be the goal line back there as well. Uh, I love the old man, Frank Gore. He's sliding because of age. You can get him in rounds eight or nine. But you know what? 2016 was one of his best seasons yet, and he's going to be the brunt of that offense while Andrew Luck is out. Uh, Wendell Smallwood. If the Eagles end up cutting LeGarrette Blunt, which has been slightly rumored over the last couple weeks, Wendell Smallwood will actually be the primary ball carrier there in Philadelphia. And he's a guy you can get in round 13, 14, 15. Uh, Jonathan Williams in Buffalo. Again, we talked a little bit about the possibility of Buffalo trading LaShawn McCoy. Well, if LaShawn McCoy is traded, Jonathan Williams suddenly becomes a running back one in a heavy running offense. He's going to be a legitimate late-round pick that could produce running back one numbers if he gets the chance. And, of course, Jacquez Rogers, who we talked a little bit about beforehand. Uh, he's going to be starting for Tampa the first three weeks. And if he performs well enough, there's a chance that Doug Martin never gets the job back. I don't know. Doug's looked pretty good this this preseason, so I think that Doug's definitely going to get that job back. But he may have a role that's a little bit, you know, Less defined, Jacquez could earn a bigger portion of it. Look, I, I like the call on Smallwood because he's basically free in drafts for the most part. Um, you did mention A. Williams. Um, that's not the Williams that I was going to mention, but I agree you with you. You mentioned Jamal Williams. Yes, right? Jamal Williams. Um, I think he's in a great spot because, and maybe I'm wrong, I just I don't trust um, Ty. That's what it comes down to. 
And if he gets hurt, who do they turn to? It's going to be Jamal, and that's a pretty good offense to, to be who gets turned to at running back. So I like him, especially the cost. There's not much cost there. Of course, I already talked about Quiz. Um, a guy that I already mentioned, I still think that, yeah, he, he's not what you would call true sleeper, but I really think people are sleeping on Abdullah. I do. Um, he hasn't been healthy. He seems to be healthy now. I listened to an interview with him. I guess it was late last year. Maybe it was earlier this year. Um, the way time flies, I can't tell you. Um, but the guy sounds really committed, spent some time with LaDainian Tomlinson from the sounds of it, and I think that he's got a shot. If there's one guy that you say, hey, who could crack the top five that no one would see it coming? Abdullah would be that guy. Okay. Well, I think we did a lot of talk here on running backs. Uh, probably should roll into the uh, tight end position next. Yes, because you know I don't want to spend much time on quarterbacks. Okay, so at tight end one, I'm going to surprise everyone and say I'm going to take Travis Kelsey instead of Rob Gronkowski. Well, I can't agree with you, but I was close. I actually listed them as 1A, 1B. I'm just too concerned about Gronkowski's injury history and uh, the addition of the other weapons uh, in the Patriots offense, most notably being Brandon Cooks. Uh, But Kelsey, he's lost weapons in the uh, Kansas City offense with the uh, departure of Jeremy Macklin. So that just means more potential targets for him. Yeah. And I've got, hey, look, the, you won't, what, we've been on Kelsey for God knows how long, since before we were calling him by his proper name. I think we were calling him Kelsey the first year that we liked him. And we've made mention of calling him Gronkowski in the past. So you get no argument from me with that. Okay. Uh, three and four I also have kind of interchangeable, and that's Greg Olson and Delaney Walker, both a couple of veterans, both on offenses uh, that produce a lot of points. And I, I think that both are consistent in terms of the uh, fact that they're going to get nine or ten targets every game. Whether they catch them all is another question. Wow. Well, we have our first major disagreement. I have Olsen down at six. That's not too major. We'll talk about Delaney Walker later, but he's not in my top 12. Wow. And I think I hinted at, I hinted at that last week. Okay. Uh, at five... I have a consistent red zone threat touchdown theft player for the Minnesota Vikings. That's Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I've actually got him higher than a lot of other teams. But again, in fantasy football, it all comes down to touchdowns. And when you're inside the 10-yard line, Kyle Rudolph is the primary target for Sam Bradford. Okay. At number six, I'm going with Philadelphia's uh, target hog, Zach Ertz. Uh, Ertz uh, has a full season now of catching passes from Carson Wentz under his belt. And I think that this year he's going to even be more involved because he's going to have room to operate with two field-stretching receivers uh, on either side of him on the outside. Okay. We, we're, we're definitely, if there's a position that we're much different on, this is going to be it. So I'll let you keep going. Okay, number seven, I've got Jimmy Graham, who finally showed that he was healthy last year for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, started to produce in the second half of the season as Russell Wilson and that offensive line started to get healthy. I think that this season's only got room to go up for Jimmy Graham. At number eight, I'm taking a guy you probably have higher, and that's Jordan Reed. And the only reason I have him as low as I do is because of his perennial injury history. When on the field and healthy, Jordan Reed is is arguably the third best tight end in most drafts. But uh, again, I'm not going to spend that high of a pick to get Jordan Reed. If he falls to me, in round six or seven, I'll gladly take him. At pick nine, I've got Hunter Henry, who I think is going to explode on the scene and have a great season. I'd have him a little bit higher 
except for the fact that Antonio Gates is still around and the fact that when they get into the red zone, they don't throw the ball to those two. They give the ball to Melvin Gordon. Uh, number 10, I've got Tyler Eifert, who is another injury history player who uh, ha- has had some weird freak injuries happen to him. So if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a very solid contributor at number 10. Uh, number 11, I'm going to go with uh, Bennett in Green Bay. He's, he's got the best quarterback, I would say, other than Brady he's ever had. He didn't have Brady very long. But uh, Aaron Rodgers likes to throw to the tight end. I think Bennett's going to get a great opportunity to be successful there. And finally, at 12, I'm going to throw the ball to Cameron Brait. We're going to make Brait. We're going to make Brait great again. Uh, despite the addition of O.J. Howard, I think Brait is still the tight end to own at least this year in Tampa Bay. Uh, dynasty owners might want to cut bait on him, but uh, if you're playing just this year, don't be afraid to take Brait uh, late in the draft because he's going to produce good touchdown numbers. Okay, so. We have two players um, that the other doesn't have in their top 12 completely. You have Delaney Walker and Cameron Brait, which I do not have in my top 12. I have Eric Ebron and Austin Hooper. But I'll run down mine. I, like you, have Jimmy Graham and, Eric, and Jordan Reed back-to-back. But instead of being 7 and 8, I have them at 3 and 4. I do have Zach Ertz a little higher than you at five, where you have him at six. So we're pretty much in agreement there for the same reasons. And then I do have Greg Olson a little bit lower. I've got him at six. And it's mainly if you just look at you know how he finished last year, the addition of McCaffrey, I'm just not 100% sure. And I said this last week. I just can't. That's one of the off, offenses I can't look at and figure out what they want to do. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on him. I have a guy at seven that I'm probably too high on. Maybe not um, for the reasons that you've already stated, but I've got Marty B at seven. Um, I just seem to like him. I think he's a great value in drafts with where you get him relative to where I have him ranked at. Um, I have Eifert following him at eight. Injury history pushes him down a little bit for me also. I have Rudolph at nine. I played with those three guys. I could have had him you know, at six or I could have had him at nine, seven, somewhere in that range. Um, and then this is where I come in different, where I've got at 10, I've got Ebron, and then 11, I've got Hooper. A guy that you haven't heard me talk about yet that you have in your top 10 is Hunter Henry. I have him at 12, and it's that Antonio Gates factor. I think he's a great talent, but I don't think we're going to see enough of him from an explosion standpoint. Remember, he had a ton of touchdowns last year, um, and I think that if that gets quelled a little bit, that that's going to make him fall down towards that 10, 12 range. Well, a couple quick comments on those picks. Uh, one thing I've noticed in the past couple of years with Bennett is he always has some good performances early in the year, and then he kind of disappears. So if you have Bennett as your tight end one, and he has a couple of big weeks, say like weeks one, two, or three, maybe look to deal him for a better, uh, more consistent tight end after that. Because for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just his conditioning or what, he always tends to break down as the season progresses. You mentioned Eric Ebron. I actually fought with putting him in there in the top 12. He, he, I probably have him ranked 13 on my list right now. And Austin Hooper, I do love a lot. He's actually going to be on my sleeper list here. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Tight end after you get through those top three to four guys, it is, I mean, it's deep. It's deeper than it's been in a long time. You can, I like to wait on a position like you. Now, Jordan Reed, not somebody I'm targeting because he usually goes too soon. I was in a draft where I think I got him. It was in round seven at the 6-7 turn. So it, it can happen, and if the value falls to you, then you have to look at getting it. Um, 
but there's going to be options. So even if, I mean, it goes deeper than this. I would have had Jack Doyle higher had luck not been a question mark. You know, that's why we talked last week about T.Y. Hilton not being in our top 12s, um, stuff like that. So who do you have at your sleeper? Let's go there. Well, okay, uh, starting off with Austin Hooper, uh, he spent the entire offseason working out with Matt Ryan. Uh, he's a popular breakout candidate. Uh, they certainly have the capability to get them ball to the tight end. And who, who knows what the new offensive coordinator is going to do in terms of a game plan. Tight ends weren't used as frequently un- under Shanahan, so hopefully things will be a little bit better for him in that offense this year. Uh, C.J. Fedorowicz, a guy who kind of broke out last year, uh, everyone's kind of a little down on this year. I, I'm up on him. Deshaun Watson during the preseason when he was on the field, wasn't looking to the outside. He wasn't looking to DeAndre Hopkins uh, deep. He was looking, or, or Braxton Miller deep. He was looking to the inside of the field, and that's where C.J. Fedorowicz is going to operate big time this year. Uh, David Yoku from uh, Cleveland. Cleveland cut Gary Barnage, who uh, I like to pimp as being the guy that I made. Uh, you know what? They cut him to sign this rookie, David Yoku. And uh, he's been compared to Jimmy Graham coming out of college, so... That's the type of comparison you're looking at with him. A big, tall athlete, a good red zone threat. And again, they need someone to catch passes there. There's a lot of question marks at the wide receiver position. Uh, finally, my favorite tight end sleeper. And you it can better, get this guy in round be- 14. It, it better not be my guy. I'm going to be upset if it's my guy. You can get this guy in round 14 or 15. And that's Charles Clay. Not my guy. Uh, he, he is the only familiar face back for Buffalo in that receiving game. Uh Rotowire posted this piece of information. I, I thought it was really great a tidbit. Rick Dennison, in five of his, of his ten seasons as either offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach, his tight end has finished either first or second in either receptions or TD catches. Clay was used a lot near the end of the season last year. Taylor knows him. He doesn't know anyone else. Assuming Taylor can get back on the field, Charles Clay is going to be a huge part of that offense this year. You can get him late, late in your draft, and he's going to give you probably seven, eight touchdowns, a good six to 700 yards, probably about 60 or 70 catches too. Okay, so I'm not going to give as many sleepers as you did, but I'm going to say I do like C.J. Fedorowicz. I like your call on Clay. Um, All of your stances were, were well thought out, honestly. But I'm going to give you two, okay? One is not sexy. One is not sparkly. But it just works. You want to guess who it is? Antonio Gates? No. It's old and dusty, but it's not Antonio Gates. It's Jason Witten. No, definitely, definitely. I like Jason Witten. Especially without Zeke for six weeks. Um, he's You can get him later than late. I mean, seriously, he's somebody that you can get extremely late if you're punting the position. Now, this is a guy that you have to have deeper rosters, and you've got to be able to deal with the fact that he's suspended for two games. I don't even think he's being drafted in probably 99.9% of leagues, but Austin Safarian Jenkins. Somebody, I don't know who, somebody has to be able to throw the ball to somebody in New York. And that's some, one of those somebodies should be ASJ once he gets back. Well, I think everyone in every single league at some point in their life now, it's only been a couple of years, but everyone's been burned by Austin Safarian Jenkins at some point. So, uh, there may be a little bit of ill feelings for most people. But again, if you've got a bottom of your roster, if you're in like a 20-team league where you're rostering 18 to 19 players, I, I, I could easily see throwing a, a last-ditch waiver at Zavarian Jenkins and hoping that he finally lives up to his capabilities. He's free. You probably Somebody would probably let you have him in an auction draft for $0 if you didn't have any money left. 
That's true. Well, you know, we've talked about running backs. We've talked about tight ends. And uh, both of us uh, kind of of the uh, assumption that quarterbacks should be one of the last positions you fill in terms of your starting lineup. Uh, I actually like to wait until – in previous years, I'd like to wait until like round 9 or 10 of my draft to get my quarterback. This year, based on uh, what I've noticed as far as trends going, people are starting to inch quarterbacks back up a little bit. So if you want to get one of the premier quarterbacks – I'm targeting now around six, round seven range for my quarterback after I've got a couple of running backs and a couple of wide receivers locked up. But I think it's time for us to talk about quarterbacks, even though we tend to ignore them. Well, you know, I love the quarterback position. No, I'm kidding. Um, I can't take, I can't agree with your stance. I understand it. Everybody's not as hardcore as I am. Um, I think we talked about this last week. My quarterbacks in the Scott Fishbowl are Brian Hoyer, Mitchell Trubisky, and Mike Glennon. And there might yeah, be my, Scott, my Scott Fishbowl uh, quarterbacks uh, were Ryan Tannehill, uh, Josh McCown, and Christian Hackenberg. So I'm in real trouble right now. Yeah, there you go. But I did mine on purpose. You did yours by accident, probably. Yeah, no, I, I drafted Tannehill. Uh, I was really hoping he was going to have a big season. Uh, needless to say, I'm going to spend a lot of money on that first waiver wire to go get Jay Cutler. Okay. So I'm going to let you go first, and I will guarantee, I'm going to guarantee you, that you and I will not have a single quarterback match in this top 12. Interesting. Okay. At number one, I've got uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, best quarterback in the league, great offense. Number two, I've got Jameis Winston, who has probably the easiest schedule for any quarterback in the league, and he's got all those new weapons and toys to play with. At number three, I'm going to go with the venerable one, Tom Brady, who even without Julian Edelman still has a lot of weapons to throw to, and he's still got Bill Belichick. At number four, I'm going with the other veteran, Drew Brees, who, again, he plays in a division that has a lot of bad secondaries, and he plays half of his games indoors, which certainly helps him in terms of weather factor. Uh, Number five, I've got Marcus Mariota of Tennessee. He's got a ton of new weapons to go with, plus he is capable of doing things with his legs, which makes his value a little bit higher uh, for running quarterback standpoint. Uh, six, I've got Matt Ryan, who uh, could be a little bit uh, a, a little bit starstruck and burnt from the whole Super Bowl experience and getting uh, blown out in the second half there. But you know what? He also has all almost all of his games indoors. Uh, it's a really rotten division, and he's got the capability of still putting up 300, uh, 300 yards and three to four touchdowns any given game. Number seven, I've got Derek Carr. He is very, very good. He's got a lot of talent. He's got two great receivers to throw the ball to. Even the secondary receivers are pretty good. Uh, they have a great offensive line. The biggest knock on him, and the only reason he's further down on my list, is because that is a very, very tough division in terms of quality cornerbacks and quality secondaries. Uh, number eight, I've got Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's actually finished in the top ten each of the last two years. Uh, this year is obviously the season he's truly playing for the dough. Uh, who knows if he's planning on leaving uh, the Washington uh, team after this season, but if he does happen to stick around, uh, he's going to get paid. So this is his season to get paid. Uh, at nine, I've got Russell Wilson. He's finally fully healthy. The offensive line still isn't, though. The offensive line's still very shady there, but he's got a, a couple uh, solid receivers to throw the ball to, and he also can make plays with his legs. So again, healthy, he's probably a top 12 quarterback again this year, although I've got him a little bit further down than a lot of other people. At number 10, I've got a guy who would be number three if he was healthy, and that's Andrew Luck. Uh, assuming he plays two-thirds of the season, he's still going to produce quality numbers for you as the, as the 10th best quarterback off the book. 
Uh, number 11, I've got a question mark again due to injury, Cam Newton. Uh, he's probably going to pass more this year. He's got a few more passing weapons to throw to, uh, which will definitely save his legs a little bit. I don't think he's going to have to be asked to run the ball at the stripe, so he's going to lose a little a bit because of that. But he should make that up in passing touchdowns and passing yards. And at number 12, I've got a reliable quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who, uh, again, he plays a lot of his games indoor. And and two of the other uh, three uh, division mates of his have really rotten secondaries. Uh, he's got a couple new weapons to throw to, too, there. So I, I think he's got the capability of being a top 12 quarterback and being a regular starter for you game in and game out. Okay. Um, Were we close on any of them? No, absolutely none. And I need you to talk about your favorite picks, et cetera, because I want you to fill me about two minutes. I'm, I'm doing some numbers real quick here. Okay, so my favorite sleeper picks at quarterback this uh, time around, uh, we got Eli Manning. Uh, they uh, gave Odell uh, Beckham a new partner on the other side there in Brandon Marshall. So he's got two, not just good, he's got two premier wide receivers to throw to now. Uh, you can get Eli Manning in round 10 of a lot of drafts still, which is just ridiculous because he's going to have a, a lot of opportunities to throw the ball. And realistically, the Giants still don't have a running game that they can truly count on. Shane Vereen, Paul Perkins, uh, neither one is going to carry the ball tremendously between the tackles. They're going to be catching passes, and those passes are going to be coming from Eli Manning. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, he's got the toughest schedule of any of my sleepers, but he's got so many great new toys to play with. And he's looked so good this preseason. If he takes even a slight step up in development this year, he's going to can become a borderline quarterback one, if not by this year, then definitely by next year. Uh, Sam Bradford. Let me talk a little bit about Minnesota's boy Sam Bradford here. He set an NFL record for completion percentage last year, despite no training camp with the team, 17 different offensive line starters throughout the year, his number one wide receiver was injured for part of the year. His offensive coordinator quit midseason. You know what? There's nowhere for Sam Bradford to go but up this year. He can't possibly be faced with more challenges than he did last year. He's going to be very, very good this year in, in the Vikings offense. And finally, you've got Jay Cutler, uh, who in reality, he's a better fantasy quarterback than real quarterback. So as long as your league doesn't uh, give you negative points for pick sixes, I don't mind putting him as my quarterback, too. Okay, I'm ready for you now. Go for it. So what I was doing was you mentioned somebody in your top 12 that I think people are underrating. And it's hard to underrate a guy that's probably ranked in every, inside everybody's top five. But I want to talk about Drew Brees for a minute. Okay? Yes. There are five quarterbacks in NFL history that have thrown for 5,000 yards or more. Drew Brees, of course, is one of those five. Those five quarterbacks have thrown for 5,000 yards or more a combined nine times. Drew Brees owns five of those seasons. Over the last six seasons, Drew Brees is averaging more than 5,000 yards passing per season. Over the past seven seasons, the same. You go back nine seasons— Okay, nine seasons. Drew Brees is 78 yards total. So divide 78 by nine, people. Okay, it's less than 10 yards a, a year from averaging 5,000 yards per season. 78 yards over nine years. That's what he's short from averaging 5,000 yards a season. Well, I think a lot of people might be down on him this year because they think, 
oh, well, Brandon Cooks left. So, yeah, well, well what they don't Thomas. realize is they still have Michael Thomas. They still have Willie Sneed. And they brought in Ted Ginn Jr., who is more of a deep threat than either of those two. Yep. Okay. So now, you ready for my top 12? Go for it. At number one, I have Kirk Cousins. At number two, I have Philip Rivers. At number three, I have Matthew Stafford. At this point, I probably should stop and explain why my rankings are like this, right? Basically. Well, I was going to say, you, you, you surprised me a little bit with Rivers because I don't like their schedule. Okay. But uh, the other two, I, I can make decent arguments for. Well, number four is Jay Cutler. Number five is Carson Palmer. There's my top five. No, they're not truly who are going to finish top five at the position. But I punt the position. So why am I going to bother ranking those top 12 guys that I have no inkling? What's, they cannot fall far enough for me, okay? Because it's all relative. So if they're falling, then these guys are falling farther. So that's why I'm going to give you the guys I'm ranking as my top 12 that I'm willing to try and go to battle with if I have to. After, Love it. Go for it. So that's why we're a little bit different this time. Like I said, at five, I've got Palmer. At six, I have Andy Dalton. At seven, I do like Dalton. At seven, and this guy almost I almost pushed him up to three, four area, quite honestly. I have Brian Hoyer. I think he's in for a big year this year, especially value-wise. Then at eight, I have Sam Bradford. I do think that he's a great guy that you can add from a streaming standpoint. At nine, I've got Eli. At ten, I have Carson Wentz, which there's some risk there, of course. At eleven, Tyrod. Tyrod would have been much higher had not been for the Sammy Watkins trade. And then at 12, I had a struggle. I was like, oh, I couldn't put Kaiser, any of the rookies. I'm going with Tom Savage. I just don't think Savage is going to hold on to the job that long, but uh, certainly while he's there, he's got weapons to throw to, so well, that's I the, can understand that. But that's the thing. He doesn't have to hold on it for, for a long, because you know what? When you're drafting these guys, you're not married to any of them, Right. Aaron. Yeah, I, I would say the only one that I really don't agree with is Carson Palmer. I'm I'm very, very down on him this year. Uh, I, I couldn't even see myself taking him as my quarterback, too, in a lot of formats, just because I'm so concerned about him dropping off even more so than he did already last year. And again, at that point, I, I would rather spend the pick on a Cutler or a Dalton or a Hoyer than saddle myself to Palmer on the decline. Yeah. Well, and I know Kirk is a little bit of a stretch to have one and saying I'm not going after any top guys, but I've seen him fall outside of the top 10 to 12. And if that happens, then I think he's a value. Um, but, yeah, I, my, my chief targets have been the Stafford and Rivers and Cutler guys are the ones I really, really like that you can get at a value. And for our listeners out there, those are the guys you're going to be able to get in rounds 9, 10, 11 uh, after the quarterback run in 6, 7, 8 rounds. So, again, if you're looking to – pursue the zero quarterback theorem type of draft, those would definitely be the guys that you want to target. And uh, of the list, he said, I, I'm I'm super high on Stafford, super high on Manning, love Bradford, love Cutler. All those options are great plays. Um, I, I just feel much more confident myself personally having one of the second tier guys like a like a Mariota or a uh, or a Cousins or whatnot as my primary starter. And I get it. Different strokes for different folks, and I won't fault anybody. But that's why I also wanted to add that bit on Drew Brees. If I'm going to draft a quarterback early, I mean, it doesn't get much more consistent than that. It really doesn't. And at that point, it's not even really about Brees as much as that's their offensive philosophy. I don't care if they brought Adrian Peterson in. Nobody even knows how they're going to use him. They're not going to give him the ball 250 to 300 times. So I think that of all the top five, normal top five quarterbacks, 
I think Breeze has the safest ceiling and floor that you could ask for if you're going to go early for a quarterback. And I think you can probably get him as one of the latest of those players, too. Exactly, which gives him to you at a better value. So if you're going to go early quarterback, I'd rather see you go somebody that you're going to get a little bit better value with. So that's why I, I wanted to throw that out there for Breeze. I just think that's amazing to think about those numbers. But you want to know what else is amazing? What's that? There were two weeks from real football. Football! That's right. So next week, I guess what we what do we want to talk about next week? Or do we want to think about it? Well, you know what? I, I, this is going to be the show next week is going to be getting people ready for their first uh, lineups. Yes, yeah, so I guess we're going to we be can... doing that week. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about DFS, I'm sure. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, matchups. Who, wait, who we should think about in terms of matchups for that first week. Because, again, we only have last year's stats to look at in terms of determining who our players are going to be. We also have to look at some of those things that maybe you don't see, like offensive line changes, coaches, coaching changes, strategy changes, which may cause certain players to have a better or worse performance week one than their stats might indicate. Yep. So tune back in next week. We'll get you ready for the season. That's what it comes down to. And in the meantime, feel free to check Harley out on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can also check me out at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, check us out on iTunes, subscribe, rate us, all that good stuff. And until next week, get Bliss responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.